We are at war. We are uh, in this series on spiritual warfare, and um, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and uh, he's getting ready to wrap up this letter, and at the end, he, he gives us this, this, this direction. He gave them this guidance, which also applies to us, and um, so let's just read this passage of Scripture before we start talking about it. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 13. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And here we get to verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Today we're talking about the shield of faith. And uh, I want to take just a minute to reflect back on these first three that we mentioned. The belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and uh, the shoes of readiness or the gospel of peace. Uh, those three things were, are things that are like foundational to the armor. They're like already on when you go to battle. You're wearing them. They are foundational. They are on. And, and here Paul moves to these last three pieces that, 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 are, that are aspects of the armor that we really take up in necessary moments of spiritual warfare. That during a certain season or a time in your life, you're going to need the shield of faith more than others. He says, in addition to this, take, take up the shield of faith, which we, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So a little bit about warfare at the time and flaming arrows. Uh, th this would have been, uh, th they would have immediately, the church at Ephesus would immediately respond to this. They knew that, that at war and in battles at that time, uh, many times, you may remember uh, years ago, George, President George W. Bush used this terminology, which he got some flack over, um, uh, called shock and awe. This, this idea that we're going to begin this battle in a big way. And this is what fiery darts were. They used them in great magnitude at the beginning of a battle. All right, you just hang with me for a minute. At the beginning of the battle, they would, they would try to overwhelm the enemy with so many flaming darts that it would really, their hope was really to force them into a position of surrender. You know that's where Satan wants you? where the enemy wants you, is you overwhelmed and forced into a position of surrender or panic or, or chaos. And, and this is the truth of what he's saying. And so these fiery darts would be coming at them, and, and the enemy would hope that it would get them in just such a state of mind of panic that they would surrender. It's very much how the enemy works. And you'll find this in your life. You, you may know the saying, when it rains... It pours. And so what are these spiritual darts? All kinds of different things we'll talk about in a moment, flaming darts that come into your life. But, but I tell you, when you're under this type of attack, when these things are happening, here's what it looks like. It's like, attacking my kids. He's attacking my marriage. He's attacking my finances. He's attacking me at work. He's attacking me when I'm alone and I'm doubting and I'm afraid. It, it looks like everywhere you turn, you're overwhelmed. 
And you see, see what would happen here, if I, I thought about how could I figure this out? How could I do this? How could I have a flaming arrow hit the stage safely? Because <laughs> I want you to think about it. If you're at war and you're getting get ready to go into battle or we were here and all of a sudden we began to get bombarded by flaming darts and arrows on fire, a great magnitude of them, do you think we'd all be like, man, where's that shield? Where was that? Um, I wish I had it. wish I had it here with me. I'd raise it up. You know? No, you'd be in an absolute state of panic. My life is on the line. Yet we walk through seasons of life where the devil is attacking on every front, and we're like, he's just attacking. Maybe I'll get through today. We're just, we're just gotta, it just is what it is. And hear what Paul is saying. This is a sense of urgency in your life that you pull up the shield of faith. We were here this week, and, and uh, was it Thursday or Friday when the weather kind of went crazy and there was tornado warnings and tornado watches and um, Bethany and our kids were here and, uh, and, and the storms were kind of coming, wind was blowing, and, and Harker, you know, somehow he started watching Ryan Hall, y'all. <laughs> y'all seen that YouTube channel, Ryan Hall? He's from here, he does weather. He's the Internet's weatherman, they say. And, uh, and so he watched this one video about tornadoes, and he's, he's not really, like, scared out of his mind about them. He just knows they're dangerous. So he heard us say tornadoes, and he started asking Dad. And, and listen, this was pretty neat. Because, you know, Harker's usually running. He was, like, right by my leg, like, standing still, and just everywhere I go, he was calm and right with me. And he said, Dad, are we going to be okay in here? I said, yeah, buddy, this church, it's block and brick, and, like, I think we're going to be just fine right here and he said so it's like a shield and I went yeah it is and I was thinking I'm preaching on the shield of faith this week and he just said this he did his preschool graduation this week they did the armor of God and his part and line to say was the shield of faith and I thought about the protection he felt in that moment we thought oh I'm okay and I thought, do we feel that when the darts of the enemy are coming at us all around us? And are we reminded that we are protected by the shield of faith? Do we feel that security or do we feel fear? Do we feel chaos? Do, do, do we feel uncertainty and doubt? And it's probably we tend to go the other. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have to say, take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. Of faith. So these darts are coming in great numbers. Um, I asked our elders when we were meeting earlier this, this week, you know, what are some seasons in your life you've seen darts, or what, what are the darts in your life? And, and they really talked about seasons of transition when, when you're going through a big life change. You see the enemy come into that. Maybe a big job change, or maybe, maybe a, a marriage, or, or, or maybe your kids have graduated and you're an empty nester. Like all these kind of moments of transition where the enemy likes to get you right in those, and, and in those places you should be confident walking with him, yet you're stepping into unknown. So you start to doubt, and you start to get afraid, and you start to worry, you start to wonder, you start to try to figure things out yourselves, all those pieces. But these darts come in, and many times they're in your heart, in your mind. Their doubt, it's discouragement, insecurity, bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody or something. 
Maybe it comes in the face of persecution. Maybe people are talking about you, rumors, false accusations, feelings of hopelessness, hopelessness. All these things, man, are in the devil's quiver. And he's firing them at us. Paul says, here's the strategy. Raise your shield of faith. The shield was made of impenetrable wood, leather, canvas, and metal, and could be doused in water to extinguish the fiery arrows of the enemy. That's the, that's the, that's the darts, and that's the shield. The title of this morning's message is, and we, we've done this, right? We've taken the different pieces of armor, and, and we've attached some applications. And what does that mean? What does it mean to put on the belt of truth? We said that means you've got to know what's real. You know what's real in life because the, the culture, the, the, the media, the, the life all around you is going to be telling you lies about what's right and wrong and this and that and who's real and whether God's real. Like you've got to know what's real. So you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness, which means first you've got to put on the righteousness of Christ, and then you've got to do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Do the next right thing. And then we talked about the, the shoes of readiness, and we said you've got to be ready to go. Follow him wherever he calls you, wherever he leads you, and just be ready to follow him. This is how you stand against the enemy. And then faith is really this one, this one line. It's believe in the impossible. That is faith. Uh, faith is, is not just a belief, though. It turns into action. If you go to Hebrews 11, uh, 1, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see, and it says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Hebrews 11 is, is called the Hall of Faith. All kinds of Old Testament characters who stepped out in faith. You see, faith is a belief that comes out in your actions and how you live and how you follow. I want to share a couple things you can take down as notes. Let's talk about faith just for a minute. Uh, first thing I want you to write down is faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. You can't stir it up yourself. You can't create it yourself. It is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So let's break this down just for a minute so you can, you can go along with me, all right? Two types of faith we're going to talk about this morning. The first one is saving faith. The first time you as an unbeliever, doubter, skeptic about God, you hear the gospel, you hear the truth, and you say, wait a minute. I think Jesus is the real deal. I feel it deep in my spirit. I put my belief and trust in the fact that he was the Messiah, that, that he was born of virgin birth, that, that he was crucified, he died in my place for my sins, that he was resurrected so that whosoever may believe in him could live forever. That's saving faith. That faith is a gift. All right, I want you to follow me for a minute. Saving faith. Faith is a gift. You've got to have that faith before you can ever put on the armor of God. That's kind of what we talk about every, every piece so far. You've got to be in Christ to wear his armor. Faith is a gift. Romans 3.28 says that faith makes us right with God. 
Faith makes us right with God. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. We talked about that a lot a couple weeks ago. In Romans 10, say, where do I get that faith? How do I get it? Romans chapter 10, we find that faith comes by hearing. The saving faith comes by hearing. I'm going to read, starting in verse 9 in Romans chapter 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pretty simple. For it is by believing in that God, believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now this is where I want you to, to hang with me for just a second, starting at verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can, they, uh, how can anybody hear about them unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. When we get to verse 17 that many of you will know. Is that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, we take that out of context, and you hear word of God, you think, oh, that's just any scripture I could hear. In the beginning, God created man. But if you go into the Greek here, that, that word for God is actually the word Messiah. It actually, a better translation would be Christ. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So any, any of us that might want to take some pride in our salvation, that we remember the day that I, I got saved, that I decided to follow Jesus, I remember when I got saved. And take any kind of pride towards someone else, I, I want to ask you, who sent the person who shared the gospel with you? Did you send them? I want you to think about when they sent, who shared that truth with you? Did we create the gospel? It says, no, our faith can only come by hearing and hearing by the, new, the good news of Christ. And how can, we, how can we get saved without believing? How can we believe without hearing? How can we hear without someone saying it? How could someone say it without being sent? I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much. He has pursued you all your days. That he sent many people to warn you, to share truth with you, to share the gospel. Maybe this is your first time ever hearing the gospel. But you're hearing the truth and there's something that happens. Remember John Burdett came six months uh, you know, last fall and he preached here and he did a tremendous job. And he talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus being like a hand grenade that as believers, when we just say it, when we tell it to somebody, it's like pulling the grenade and God does the rest of the work. He gives the gift of faith and grace and saves people. And when you say, I believe, you are immediately saved. This is saving faith. Many of you have 
professed it, some of you, maybe not. I invite you to pray about that today as you hear this truth. The other part of faith is just like, how do we get through life <laughs> day to day? Once you become a believer and you feel those darts and the enemies and you get discouraged and you have days that are darker than others, you know, how do I have enough faith? How do I stir up some more faith in my life? And so I want to talk about that just for a minute. Uh, one way is, is, is you'll, if you're like me, when I get into that state, I began to look back over the last week and I say, how many times did I open my Bible and read Scripture? How much did I really pray over the last week? Because there's something about the power of the words in here that I always find encouragement in. Anytime I'm discouraged, I can open up and I will find encouragement anywhere I land. And I'm reminded and my faith is, is, is reignited in a different way when I spend time in his word. Now, I, the good way to do this, I mean, don't do it just because Hobby Lobby is cool. But, but it's really good to have verses throughout your home. And verses that mean something to you that were at, at some point in your life that, that, that carried you through a season and that reminds you of the thing that you struggle with or, or make a verse of your wallpaper on your phone or, or, or have it in different places where you take notes or when you go to work, have a verse on your calendar. Just different places. Surround yourself with Scripture. The truth of God's Word. I think also perspective matters when we get in those seasons, and it's easy, easy to kind of get distracted. Um, but Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the evidence of things unseen. When we get in a, in, in a discouraged state, gosh, everywhere we look is trouble. Right? All we see is bad things. See bad things in ourselves. All we're reminded of is the ways we failed and we're not good enough and, and we're incompetent. And you think, man, I should just quit as a parent, as, a, as I mean, in your job. All these different places he'll get you. You'll see the trouble. You'll see what's, what's wrong with your kids and not what's right with them. You'll see the bad in the person you meet at double quick and not the good. Like you just get in this state of mind where your perspective is just like everything's bad. And here, the writer in Hebrews is saying, look for the evidence of things unseen. If you'll just hit pause on all that and say, today, God, I want you to show me where you're working in the people and the circumstances in my life. And I want to dwell on those things. I want to dwell on the people that even though it's a hard season, man, I got this person who texted me this week, and I know I could call them. What would I do without that person? You sent me that person. You look for the evidence of things that are unseen. You also look into the past. I think it's always, uh, you know, we spent Ebenezer series looking at, at times in our past where God carried us through seasons we didn't think we'd get through. The time you got divorced and you didn't expect it, the, the, the time you, you dropped out of school, the time you got fired, the time the finances had come to the end of themselves and there was still a lot of month left, and still God somehow took care of you. Like, remember those seasons and those things and the times you thought you'd never smile again, and then you did? And believe that God can still do that. Faith is about believing in the impossible. Believing in 
the impossible. Mark chapter 9, there's another story that I want to share and, and just take you to Mark 9 and starting in verse 21. And there was this, what was happening at this point, the disciples had been in this place and they'd been teaching about Jesus. And a man had come to the disciples and his son was possessed. And he said, and he brought his son to the disciples and asked them to heal his son, to cast this demon out. And the disciples couldn't do it. They had cast demons out before, but for some reason in this situation, they could not do it. Jesus shows up, and there's a, you know, it's always a scene when Jesus shows up. And he's like, what's going on? What's going on, guys? What is happening? And, uh, and he realizes, they, they fill him in, and, and then he starts here in, in verse 21. He says, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Man, I love this story. Help us if you can. And Jesus standing there, the Son of God. <laughs> and I wish I could have seen Jesus' face. You know what I mean? Because he says, what do you mean, if I can? Doesn't that feel, I've been that guy. You know what I mean? See if you can make this shot. What do you mean, if I can? <laughs> right? Like we, we can be prideful about those things. And we have no right to be. But this is Jesus. He can say, what do you mean, if I can? And you, you see, you might not be looking at your situation and taking it to God and say, if you could do this. But maybe you're living it in your silence to him. Maybe you're not really asking for it. Because you think it's too big to ask for and I've got to carry this on my own. And so he's looking and saying, what do you mean you're trying to carry that on your own? What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. And then he says, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The fourth way to stir up some faith in your life is specifically ask for it. God, give me another measure. Pour out a little bit more into my heart right now. I'm struggling, I'm doubting, I'm afraid. Pour out a little bit more. Grow my faith. Help me with my unbelief. First thing of believing the impossible is the salvation, is the fact that a loving, righteous, perfect God would adopt a uh, 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 failure, a little orphan that's just making a mess and tearing stuff up and prideful and disobedient and, and unloving and uncaring and no compassion. And, and that's you and me, that, that a loving, righteous God would adopt that person into his family and love him forever. Believe that. It feels impossible, but it is absolutely has happened.
Believe the impossible in your own life, in your circumstances, and your situation that God absolutely can. He doesn't always do it, but you have to. This is where I want you to, to rest. I don't, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't wanna preach a prosperity gospel that says you can name it and claim it, and if you don't get it, you just didn't have enough faith. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you this. God is absolutely able to do more than you can ask or imagine. And in your heart, you have to believe that if he wants to restore a marriage, he can restore it. If he wants to restore your finances, he can restore it. If he wants to break down your addiction to drugs, pornography, money, whatever it is, he absolutely can annihilate it today. He can do it. And when you believe in God, and, and, and when you believe that, it changes your mindset and your attitude and how you live each day. When you believe He can. And that's part of this. That's part of the warfare. It's part of the armor. But the bigger part of it is, is the, really the impossible thing. Maybe, maybe the impossible thing that He does is when He doesn't solve your problem. And he doesn't just make the dark go away. But maybe the impossible thing is the fact that you don't die in the middle of it. Physically or spiritually. That he gives you some strength. In the middle of all the fire, the raging inferno, that, that you're like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. <coughs> that it doesn't send you. There's a movie. I don't even know what it is. <clears throat> Bethany and I always use this line. It's probably not appropriate from the pulpit. <laughs> I don't even remember the movie. It's funny. There's people gone through all these things and they're sharing what's happening. <laughs> and the response is, but did you die? But did you die, right? We'll be whining about all the things that's coming to us. But are you still upright? You're wobbling, but are you standing? You are. And we're going to believe in the impossible, that God can absolutely deliver us and do anything He wills. But the real impossible thing is that we will be able to trust Him when He doesn't. Because we know he's a loving father. That he knows more than you and me. That he sees the future, the past. And he sees our neighbor and what happens in their neighbor's house and in their hearts. And we don't know all that stuff. So while we lay our requests out to him, we trust him. It's part of faith, is trust. But we believe him to be able to do the impossible. First Peter... Peter finished it like this. Chapter 1, he says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. And then he says something that doesn't make any sense. So be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure 
many trials, a great magnitude of darts. The enemy is going to come after you. Even though you've got to endure that, there's great joy ahead. Because those very trials, those very darts, are the things that's testing your faith to prove that it's genuine. Actually, your faith is growing through the darts, through the trials, through the tests. And he says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. One last thought before we close. This armor, the shield, they were actually designed um, that they could lock in with the soldiers next to them. That to be the most impactful and the most protective was, was when the, the, this formation they would get in, when, when, the, when the soldiers would they'd put their shield up and it's the, their friend would walk up beside them and put his shield up and they'd lock together. And one would come up beside them and they'd lock together and they'd make this big like half circle. And then others would come on top and in between and they'd stack, begin to stack up on top. And, and you had this massive wall of a shield of faith. You see, it, it, it's protective when it's just you, but when a, the attack comes on your family or on a body of believers or on a community, we cannot carry that stuff alone. Are you with me for a minute? You cannot carry what's in your life alone. Find someone to lock your shield with that knows the dart that's coming at you, that's walking in the struggles with you. This is when, when the church binds together and we lock our shields and we make this wall, this is when communities are protected, when neighborhoods are protected, when people are changed. This is what Paul is calling us to. is to take up our shield of faith. That right now, you don't feel like it. You don't feel like believing in the possible. Believing in the impossible. But you can. And you will. And we do. God, we thank you. God, we're sorry for the times that that we've come to you and with a, a, a lack of faith, we've said, if you could or if you can. And I'm also sorry for the times that I didn't even come to you and ask because I thought it was too much or maybe it was too little. God changed our hearts from a, from a if you can to a I know you can. Let us absolutely believe and rest on Ephesians 3.20. That says we pray to a God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God, let us trust you through these fiery dots that we know you're trying our faith. And thank you for the genuineness that is creating in our hearts. God, I pray that as a church we would be able to lock our shields together shields of faith to believe in you and trust in you 
God, that we'd feel like me and Harker felt in this building by the physical structure. While everything else was, was swirling outside and we didn't know, we knew it wouldn't be safe to be out there, but we felt protected and safe in here. Today we take up our shields and we stand firm in your mighty power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.